Hello, my lovely, lovely friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, which as of today, still doesn't have a new name, um, but I am in the process of heart dreaming a new name. So heart dreaming is the word that I'm testing out to replace brainstorming because I feel like brainstorming is very specific. Also, why are we in a storm? when we're coming up with new ideas. And I feel like it's just a term that was invented and I learned in fourth grade in a classroom. And it just doesn't completely represent what's going on inside my internal experience when I'm coming up with new and creative things. It's more of a flow. It's more of a feel. And I'm not really sure how much my mind is in that process, except for the fact that it's interpreting and translating it into words. So, Heart Dreaming, a new name for the podcast, and we're still in process of it. But anyway, I um, <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> I'm excited about today's episode. We have a friend of mine, her name is Michelle Scarlett, on the episode today where uh, we filmed, we recorded this interview back in 2022. Um, and it's really interesting. So I've been speaking about stress and feelings of anxiety and symptoms of depression and all of that, which can very often look exactly alike. And it all comes down to the roots of why you're experiencing it. The symptoms could look very similar across the board for many different people on the surface, but what's going on inside your body that creates those symptoms can be very, very different, which is why certain recommendations or treatments or medications or supplements or practices don't work for others and are literally the cure for, you know, another group, another person. So Michelle's story is super interesting. She is a, she has been a fitness professional for many, many years. She owned her own gym in Canada and kind of pivoted everything online after she experienced and went through her own issues, symptoms physically of her body basically breaking down on her, um, running herself completely into the ground, physically, mentally, emotionally and her journey of trying to figure out what the hell was going on. I think it's poignant because a lot of the time we have believed that these symptoms are psychological, that they're only, um, they're only caused by trauma or stress, that something almost just fell in my room and I'm afraid it's gonna crash. <laughs> Often we believe the information that we've been told, which is a lot of our symptoms are either psychological, like they're occurring because of psychological stress, trauma, an event, an experience that happened to us sometime in our life, and our body has, you know, is now stuck in, and in trauma or is struggling because of that, and it's manifesting as anxiety and depression, other 
things that we have been told are that these things are completely biologically driven, meaning we're predisposed to them, it's in our genes, and so therefore we're screwed. And we can't really do anything about it except to manage our symptoms with medication and learn to deal with them or help ourselves manage them with a therapist, specifically talk therapy. But Michelle's story is one that doesn't fall into either of those categories, yet her symptoms continue to get worse and worse despite all of the many doctors that she saw who weren't able to help her. Many of the tests, how many of you have gotten lab tests done by a doctor, by a functional medicine doctor, whatever, and they all come back normal or they all come back you know, within normal limits? The doctor says, oh, there's nothing wrong with you because the tests say there's nothing wrong with you. But meanwhile, your body's breaking down, your hair's falling out, you can't sleep, you're stressed all the time, you're experiencing anxiety, you have, you know, all of these sorts of symptoms, your period's all messed up, and you're like, clearly something is wrong. We got to figure it out. The tests are not showing what's happening. And it's frustrating. And this could be going on for years and years without you really finding an answer. So I think Michelle's story can help open our perspective to see that there are sources of stress, sources of stressors in our, in our lives, in our environment that we are encountering, that we're putting into our body, that we're putting onto our body that are causing um, trauma and stress in the form of toxin buildup in our body, in the form of chemical disruptions, in the form of things that are affecting and causing dysfunction to our stress response, to our hormones that are not psychological, that are not genetic, and that are actually caused by something that we did, that we chose to do. And I think for a lot of us, it's really hard to accept responsibility or ownership or that, wow, I didn't know this, but this thing that I did is now causing my body harm, is now actually something that is making me sick. For Michelle, as you're going to hear her tell, it was breast implants, breast implant illness, something that I think is getting more and more attention because people are connecting the dots. Honestly, through others' stories is really how people are becoming more and more aware of breast implant illness and maybe thinking, wow, this could be something that's causing my sickness symptoms, my dis-ease in my body. Michelle, even Michelle, I think speaks about at one point she listed like all of the symptoms that she had over the course of time that she had these uh, breast implants put in. And it's something like 80 different symptoms that she experienced the full gamut. Um, And even if you don't have breast implants, I think it's still something that's important that you'll resonate with or that you'll learn from this conversation because it doesn't have to be breast implants that are at the root cause, but it may open your perspective to see what you could be 
in in like consuming in your life, what you could be using, what could be causing harm, causing stress from an environmental perspective, from a toxin perspective, from you know, as basic as the the skincare products that you use on your body every day or the laundry detergent that you use or the scented candles that you love to light and have that scent in your home or even those like plug-in anything with fragrance anything with um with color with fragrance dyes etc these things can be the cause that is making your body start to become imbalanced dysfunction it could be the straw that broke the camel's back and just like the one last stress piece that made every you know made the card the card tower fall or it could be a compounding of a few of these things from foods that we're eating from again environmental toxins from things that we're consuming on social media all different forms of stress stress is not just psychological it can be mental, yes. It can be emotional, yes. It can also be biological, physiological, environmental. And this episode really highlights um, all of that on a fantastic level. So it's going to be really informative. There is a positive twist to this. She really she shows what, how she figured this out, how she basically deduced that this was the problem, and also what else she did to support her body in healing before she got the breast implants removed and afterwards to continue to help support her body to heal. So I know you're going to love this episode. Um, Let me know in the comments below on your podcast app what you think. Um, And if you love this episode, be sure to give it five stars. Follow for more episodes. There's going to be some really great content. Um, Oh, and lastly, something I added in the show notes, there's a link to click where you can actually write me a question. So if there's a topic you want me to make an episode about, or there's a specific question that you want answered, I want to know because I'm just, I'm not making this, this, these episodes just for me. This is for you. And it's more important for me to help answer your questions and to give you content that's going to be valuable for you versus me just coming up with episodes on my own. But we'll do a little collaboration. I'll think of, I'll heart dream ideas slash brainstorm ideas, and you you can leave me your input as well because that's super valuable for me. Okay, so let's do it. Let's get right into the episode. So I wanted to briefly talk to you about the 30-Day Reset Challenge. This is a beginner's toolkit of somatic practices that you can do along with me one a day for less than 15 minutes each day. So it's totally doable if you feel like you don't have time or this is totally new for you to help you start to connect to your body, regulate your nervous system, and overcome feeling burnt out overcome anxiety that feels like it's taking over stress and helping you to get out of survival mode. I designed this challenge to be simple, to be something that beginners can do, and for you to learn a foundation of what the heck somatic practices even are, because that's a 
big question. It's like, what is somatic practices? How is it different than talk therapy? And how do I know if I need to use it? So this is going to take you through and explain all of that and help you put it into practice. Because honestly, that's what it comes down to. It's about you learning the practices and applying them to your own life so you can start to get a sense of what works best for you, what practices you should use when you're in a state of fight or flight, what practices are going to serve you when you're in a freeze or a shutdown or a depression state where you have zero energy, you have zero desire to do anything about it. And in those states, it's going to be a different set of tools to help you start to gently move and shift the energy in your body to start to almost break up. If you were to think of the energy in your body quite literally as a frozen block of ice, we're going to start to gently shift and move that and melt that. And those practices are going to be different than if we were in a state of anxiety or anger or stimulation or activation where we have a lot of survival energy that we want to expel and release from our body. This 30-day reset challenge is going to be perfect if you find it hard to get out of your head. If you have ruminating thoughts, you feel wired, but you are also tired. And if you have found meditation to be challenging, to feel like sitting still for even a few minutes feels so uncomfortable, I'm going to jump out of my skin. I get it because meditation was really, really hard for me for a while. And I feel like somatic practices are the perfect way to help to listen to your body, connect to your body, and give that energy a place to go. And you may find meditation to be easier after this, or you may find that somatic practices are literally all you needed. And meditation is not something that you need to try and force yourself to do, because I'm raising my hand right now. I have tried to force myself to meditate for years. And honestly, I think it created more stress for me than anything else. So I'm really excited to give you $100 off this 30-day reset challenge. When you sign up, you get lifetime access. You get one new somatic practice released a day. So it keeps you on track. You don't get overwhelmed. Each guided practice is a video or an audio with me. And it is 15 minutes or less a day. That's it. So it's the perfect way to begin, kind of like dip your toes in the water of this new way of regulating your emotions, your nervous system, and building a foundation to overcome burnout, to help you master stress in your own body. All right, back to the episode. Let's just kind of jump into the conversation with a really easy question, which okay. is how are you enjoying moving your body these days? Oh, Christine, honestly, these like I have been working out for probably 20 years and only now do I feel like freedom in it. Do I feel like um, I'm doing something really good for my body? Uh, it feels so much more balanced. I feel so like healed and happy moving my body now. Um, whereas even though I was like enjoying the type of training I was doing, you know, over the last 15 years, it, in hindsight, do I realize like how much damage I was actually doing? 
Yeah. Like when I wasn't in a healed state, ultimately. Has that changed in what the movement looks like these days? Um, it depends on the day. Like if I have a lot of energy one day, then no, like I love to lift and I, I will still be intense, but I'll be a lot more um, aware of the days that I should be that intense and some days that I just need to go for a walk. Yeah. So there's so. a lot more like intuitiveness into tuning into what your body might need and kind of giving, kind of figuring out what that is and giving it to it. Yeah. And, you know, realizing that, you know, it's so funny when you exercise or when you first start exercising, or at least this is for me. And I know that a lot of my clients are this way, like they want to go so hard every single time to the point where they're like falling down exhausted. Like they think that that's what a good workout is. And at one point, so did I. Um, but now it's more like, my husband and I went for a bike ride the other day, like a, like a, like a road cycling bike ride, not just a leisurely bike ride. After about an hour, we came home, we ate breakfast and I was immediately so grateful for the fact that it energized me instead of exhausting me. Right. So I definitely make sure of that. Um, I love that you said that because you're totally right. We have put on a pedestal the work, the exercise, it needs to look hard and intense. And if you're not, you know, half dead on the floor at the end of it, it like doesn't count. It wasn't good enough. It's not going to get you towards your goal. It's a waste. It wasn't, you know, all of those things, which is so untrue. And I definitely believed that for a long time. If I didn't feel something, you know, then I didn't feel like it was good enough. But and this is kind of right into your story, but like what had that change for you? When did you realize that a hard, intense workout every single day, forcing yourself to do that was actually working against you instead of helping all of your goals? Uh, I would say I realized that a few years ago, um, which is again, like you said, just as my sort of story began in terms of my health, when I realized that no matter how hard and intense I worked out and dieted, I was still gaining weight. Like the concept of that is like not even logical what you learn when you become a personal trainer or like what you see anywhere. Like you always think like, you know, exercise more, eat less, it, you know, it, at a very simple level of weight loss. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it really didn't matter. It really did not matter what I did. I could, I could have probably done three hours of cardio every single day. Not that I did that. Um, I probably could have done that eight, you know, 1500 calories a day and would still be gaining weight like rapidly. Wow. Yeah. And then that was kind of the moment where I was like, something else is going on. Yeah. I know so many women, specifically women, that that's exactly what they're going through or they just are stuck and they, no matter what they do on, you know, with their nutrition or their movement, their exercise, their weight does not budge or is going up. So what did you do? Well, so like first and foremost, um, again, I think we all turn it, turn to diet and exercise when like seemingly our weight isn't where we want it to be. And that's fine. Those are two like really important components of a healthy lifestyle. But I think women specifically, cause I also work with a lot of women in the same way that you do. Um, they need to ask bigger questions, mm -hmm. right? And so like, don't keep forcing yourself down this path that you think you know, 
if it's not working because there's so much more going on inside your body. And, you know, perhaps the weight gain for me and my story was like the wake up call was like, you know, Hey, you need to actually be paying attention. So what I ended up doing, it's kind of a long story in, in that part, but I ended up seeing a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And, um, this is after like my doctor dismissed everything I was saying, like all of the symptoms I was having. So weight gain was only one of the symptoms I was having. And she literally, I left her office five times in one year crying every time because she just would look at me and she even said the words, oh, you look good with a little weight on your body. And I just felt so small. Mm. I felt like it didn't matter what I was saying to her that I was uncomfortable in my own body now like something is going on and I, I needed, I needed her guidance and help. And she clearly didn't help. Uh, so I found my practitioner and this woman like changed my life completely and is actually the reason why I am now a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner as well. That's, I mean, that's amazing just how it has impacted her life in such a positive way. But, um, two things that you've said that really hit me and I hear over and over again, and it never gets easier to hear, which is getting your symptoms dismissed by a conventional MD. Um, we have the same issue. You're in Canada, right? Yes. We have the same issue here in the U.S. with just traditional doctors, how they're just viewing these symptoms. You know, they, they try and fit them into these diagnoses or they disregard really what the patient's trying to tell them about their own personal experience because they just don't have, they don't learn this in traditional medical school. There's no room for this. There's no room for those, for those subjective stories, for people's, you know, input, um, and even recognizing what we're going to talk about today, which is essentially, I mean, it's such a HPA axis dysfunction, which is like, what the hell is that? But it's just like, <laughs> your body's stress response being dysregulated and it affects your brain, it affects your adrenals, it affects your thyroid, it affects your sex organs, which is why you have all these symptoms that don't seem related, but they all are. And I do agree that one of the red flags that really perks women's um, ears up, like something is wrong, is weight because unfortunately there's such a focus on weight gain, what you weigh, what, you know, the aesthetic piece. Um, but unfortunately, there's so much unknown or misunderstood, I should say, especially with diet culture that you just like double down on what you think you should do, which is remove more, diet harder, exercise more, which is actually exacerbating the problem. Absolutely. I also think that people um, in society, have, we have normalized symptoms. Like Ooh, as we more. get older, right? Like mm -hmm. I, in particular, we have normalized IBS. Like IBS is not normal. So it, true. It, it is so common, but it's not normal. Um, we have, we have um, uh, normalized thyroid issues or like hypothyroidism in women. I mean, in men too, but like we'll speak, I'll speak specifically about women because we, we are so much more in tune with our bodies, I feel. We've normalized high cholesterol, high blood pressure as just things like, oh, now I'm getting older and this is happening. So I have to go to my doctor. And now I take a pill for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and then don't give it another thought. Um, and then anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And and I am happy that we have not made that we have created it 
to not be a stigma to talk about, but it's still not a normal symptom of an optimally running body. That is such a good point. And the way that you said that, I think will really land. Like, yeah, we're not, it's not about a stigma. It's not about like, it's morally, you know, like humanly bad to feel this way. But from the perspective of your body physiologically functioning optimally, it's not a normal experience. It's happening often and it's common, but yeah. Oh, and there's something else that you said that really hit the nail on the head. Um, Oh, and I feel, just to piggyback on that, the age at which people accept those things to be normal, quote, big air quotes around normal, is becoming younger and younger. When people hit 30, they're like, oh my God, I'm old. Aches and pains. You see memes about it all the time and it's like funny. I laugh at it. But people really believe, like, up oh, 31, it's normal to feel achy, it's normal to have, you know, this low mood, low energy, low sex drive. It's not. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I have a little saying, and you can feel free to cut this out, but I always say that if you're not hungry, horny, or happy, something <laughs> is going on. And it just kind of makes me laugh because, I mean, ultimately, we can really poke fun at that, but, like, you're you should be hungry, you should be, you know, metabolizing your food for energy, like it is, it is a normal function of the body. Um, and when people for some reason, specifically women be like, Oh, I forgot to eat or like, um, you know, Oh, I'll just like skip breakfast. It's fine. Like we have a stigma around food. Um, because of our the stigmas around weight and weight gain. One, like, obviously horny, if you're stressed, it's, it's affecting your sex hormones. But mm-hmm. like, you know, horny is just funny. What about fertility? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, let's talk about fertility for a second. Your, your, you know, if your stress response is chronic, your fertility is going to decline. Like it is simple fact. There is a direct line there. Um, and the amount of women I'm 35, the amount of women in their thirties that I know when we were all growing up in our teenage years, the first thing doctors did was put us on birth control. And then most of the, most of my friends, and I've, I've read some studies where it's something crazy, like 40% of women in their 30s suffer from PCOS, endometriosis, or infertility. And I'm just like, this is insane that it's out of control. It's totally out of control. And then obviously happy plays into our, you know, uh, depression and anxiety thing that we just talked about. But like, if you are functioning optimally, you are getting out of bed, you're feeling good, you're ready to take on the day. You know, you're not dragging yourself out of bed, like, you know, every moment of the day feels like a chore. Um, And so that's why I say those three I love that. If I give you credit, can I, like, say that (laughs) to people? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's good. No, it's really good. And it's so true. Um, Again, there's really, like, an epidemic of all of those three things. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I do see a lot of women... Um, who are just dealing with chronic stress from so many different avenues of stress, which we don't even really give credit to. I'd love to ask you in a second about like the sources of stress that were really plaguing you. But, you know, year after year, they, you know, we think that PMS is normal. We think that extreme, you know, all these heavy, intense period, heavy bleeding is, is normal. Extreme cramps, like not being able to get out of bed for a day or two because you have your period, like losing days of your life not normal and how removing 
few sources of stress, lifestyle stresses, physiological stresses, food stresses from your day to day can within a month, maybe two months, maybe three months, have an impact and drastically improve all of that um, and increase your chances of or uh, get you ovulating again because you're probably not and then increase your chances of naturally conceiving. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I remember when I was 17 and my doctor put me on the pill and I learned that the pill actually stops you from ovulating, right? It suppresses your hormones to a post-menopausal level and it stops you from ovulating. And that's what prevents pregnancy, which sounded great at 17 because the last thing on my mind was pregnancy. I didn't, you know, and I also think that, you know, birth control has its place in our world in terms of allowing women to choose when they want to get pregnant. So I'm not going to like totally bash that, but ovulation specifically, whether you want to get pregnant or not is such an important function in the female body. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is like a messenger to like increase your progesterone on the second half of your cycle, you know, then your period comes. And if it's all balanced, you don't have like crazy PMS or losing days because of pain. Like it is so important for our bodies to be on a regular cycle. Yeah. Um, so when it came to like what you went through, let's actually talk about like some of the things that you've been through in the last few years in terms of symptoms, in terms of all that. Okay. Well, um, I think when COVID hit, I mean, we've spoken about this briefly before, but I think when COVID hit, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me uh, in terms of my symptoms. And I will 100% relate that to stress. You know, I owned a brick and mortar gym in Toronto, which ended up being closed for two years. Like that's a lot of stress and the unpredictability, the unknown. So like, let's just dive right into that super high cortisol stress response scenario. Okay, cool. You know, we pivot, whatnot. I suffered massively with digestive issues. So if it's, it, can I, do you want me to go into a little bit of detail on that? Honestly, yeah, because the more detail I think people can really grasp, you know, and relate. So Sure. So for me, I was like very constipated. So a lot of people get uh, stressed out and they actually have the opposite effect. For me, it was constipation. Like it got so bad that like I wouldn't use the bathroom for five days. Wow. Which is very uncomfortable, you know, like I know it's not good. I would like celebrate my mornings if I use the bathroom. Yeah, understandably. Right? I would, if I got invited out to a friend's house or like a, you know, a backyard barbecue or something, I, a week in advance would be so anxious leading up to that day, hoping that I would use the bathroom that day. So I didn't feel so bloated going or like feeling anxious about what I was going to wear. Because if I ate one, like if I ate anything, it could have been boiled chicken. I felt like I was six months pregnant. Like my guts just blew up. Affected your life, affected how you lived, affected what you felt like you could do, what you, you know, your social life, probably just like your confidence. And yeah, it honestly, it affected everything. Um, And as we go a little bit deeper into the, into the symptoms I was experiencing, I was writing them down just before I had my surgery, which we'll get into in a second. I had over 50 different symptoms in the last five or six years that seemed so unrelated to each other. Like we kind of spoke about, and a lot of them, I just chalked up to getting older, wow. like insane. Yeah. I had 50, crazy five, zero, five, zero, five, zero. I ended up with shingles due to stress. 
like at 30 years old. Like I think that's unheard of. Um, (laughs) You know, might be a medical (laughs) anomaly. (laughs) That's crazy. Right. Um, Like I had crazy acne to the point where I was um, like, I bought foundation for the first time in my entire life. Like I don't typically put anything on my skin ever. um, But I was wearing foundation, the puffiness and the dark circles under my eyes were insane. And again, this is just stuff I'm like, Oh, my body's changing. I'm getting older. It's normal. Mm -hmm. You know, the weight gain, um, the terrible periods were definitely uh, a thing for me. Um, I didn't necessarily have to stay in bed all day, but I was on ibuprofen for a full 24 hours, like extra strength ibuprofen. And it wasn't until I met my practitioner when she's like, that's not normal. And I was like, Oh, you know, I thought that was normal for me. And then another really big one that kind of woke me up was my inability to recover from workouts. Like for somebody who's so active, I was being injured. Like I couldn't do one thing without being injured or my recovery time was like four days from like a light workout. What did that feel like? Not feeling like you could recover? Like, I mean, you, you understand what muscle pain is like the, the pain in your muscles after workout. It wasn't like that. It felt more like joint or like tendon pain. Mm. I had tendonitis in both my knees, both my elbows, my back felt my low back felt very weak. Um, kind of like unstable. Even if I was doing like 20 pound goblet squats where I'm used to doing like, you know, 155 pound back squats. Right. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. So, and it would, it would last like for four or five days, I'd have a heating pad. I'd have to spend like, you know, multiple uh, days of the week stretching instead of working out or whatever, which was just never the case for me. At this point, were you still kind of forcing yourself to hit the ground hard or were you being forced to slow down at this point? Oh no. At this point I was being forced to slow down I felt okay with it. I was like, I'll just go for some nice leisurely walks. Yeah. Like I felt okay with it. I started to feel a little bit better. I was being treated for adrenal fatigue. But what's interesting about that is that I have been treated four different times in the last five years for adrenal fatigue, which is also not normal. (laughs) Right. And isn't even a real thing. Like they never recovered. Yeah. Adrenal fatigue is not even like the what's happening physiologically. Right. right. They so were just, what, I was just addressing my chronic stress basically. Got it. So you noticed the catalyst was the beginning of COVID, but that seems like a big fucking piece of straw that broke the camel's back. So like this was building for a while, right? Yeah. So I have finally come to learn. So just uh, April 7th of this year, I had explant surgery. So I, when I was 25, so about 10 years ago, I had my breast implants put in. And at first they, I mean, it seemed totally fine. You know, I, at that time I didn't have any food sensitivities. I was super active, you know, nothing was an issue. Slowly things started to become an issue, never related it. COVID hit, like you said, like that was the catalyst. And no matter what I did to try to counter how I was feeling or like heal how I was feeling, something always kept popping up. So like I got rid of SIBO um, in my small intestines. So bacteria overgrowth, my small intestines. And like three months later, I was not sleeping. I was like crazy acne. We did more hormone testing. My hormones were out of control. We worked on that. And then somebody just randomly 
I didn't even know this. There are documentaries about breast implant illness, but somebody just randomly popped up on my Instagram, talked about it. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. I started sort of doing a deep dive and realized that all of those symptoms I was experiencing, there are hundreds of thousands of women out there experiencing the same issues. And it all was brought on after their breast implants were put in. So crazy. I just keep hearing more and more stories like this year after year of close friends, you know, acquaintances, but same thing. They're like playing whack-a-mole with their symptoms. Like, you know, get, you know, take care of one issue. Then another one pops up, take care of that. Another one pops up. Um, and it's exhausting just to constantly, your body is constantly obviously being more stressed out and, and it keeps happening because you're not getting to the root. And in a, you know, if someone, let's say, doesn't have breast implants, some of those avenues that you did try could have totally healed them because it might have yep. been their root. It might have been, you know, um, there's so many causes of SIBO, but they might have addressed SIBO and after a few months of treatment, like, been good. Um, it might have just been chronic stress from food intolerances or gut permeability and taking care of that after dedicating, you know, a few months to doing that. But because the breast implants were still in your body, yep. the stress was still being, and it was just popping up all manifesting in all sorts of ways. Yeah. And let me tell you, April 7th came. I was so, I got in in like four weeks. I found a surgeon that did it, wow. did it the way I needed it. I was like, can you do this as soon as possible? He's like, yep, no problem. I went in, got it done. Within three days, the dark circles and the puffiness under my eyes were gone. Like, gone. I have a back-to-back, yeah, I have a back-to-back photo. Now, don't get me wrong. Send me that. I'll send it that, yeah. Uh, Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a miracle thing. I know a lot of women, I'm on a lot of groups on Facebook that talk about this and a lot of women are still struggling. I did do a heavy metal detox. You know, I worked on my lymph nodes and um, lymphatic drainage. This was like before the explant surgery or after? No, this was after. Okay. Um, So I spent a lot of time healing because those types of things definitely take a lot on your body. Like surgery itself is really stressful on your body. So I really took it easy, but every one of those symptoms is gone. Every one of those 50 symptoms is gone. Wow. What were some of the symptoms that were still lingering? Because when we spoke, I don't even remember when that was, just May, like a few months ago, April, I don't know. You were, this was before. Yes. Maybe this was even earlier than that because you didn't even mention anything about breast implant illness to me. So I wonder if it was before you even- I think it was last year when you and I spoke last. Was it? Last, like last fall. Yeah. Where I think is time? So. <laughs> like it was last week. What do you mean? I don't know what time it is. Um, so yeah. So this is obviously something new within the last few months. Okay. So my question was going to be, what were some of those symptoms that were lingering between like our first conversation and realizing, oh my God, this is something. So I definitely knew I was having hormone imbalance. So like I said, my like heavy periods or like painful periods, um, acne. So all that was still happening over the last few months. Yeah. It kind of just like popped up again in January. I think if we spoke in the fall, it popped up again. January is like something that's really sticking out for me because I read the book, the rain barrel effect. Do you know that book? 
No. Oh, it's so, so good. Anyway, it, it basically. The rain barrel? Yeah, rain, rain barrel. barrel. So, okay. you know, like a big rain, rain barrel, all the rain falls in, but eventually it overflows. Okay. Yes. So that book talks a lot about like the toxic things that we do to our body. Um, and eventually we like, we think it's fine, but eventually it overflows and we're like, oh my God, what's happening here. Right. So January is like a real peak moment for me. When I read that book, I went out on like a girl's night and had some wine, like, and I'm, I was driving that night. So I may have only had like one, maybe two glasses in a, in a dinner and my face swelled and I was like hot and I was having chills and I was like, what is happening to me? And then I just, it was truly like down the rabbit hole very quickly. Um, like, like I'm still not healed. Wow. You know, I thought after I got, I got rid of the SIBO, I felt really good. We, I got married. Um, so, you know, like everything was really good. And then all of a sudden, bam, it like hit me again. So. Wow. And you're like, something's still up. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, what kind of implants did you have? So they were textured silicone, which were also recalled and nobody called me. Oh my God. They, yeah. Like the FDA recalled my specific, my specific one. How long ago? And in 2019. Oh my God. And when I called That's like my class friend, action. Oh yeah. I'm just There's saying. lots, there's lots going on there, but, um, I called my surgeon when I started going down this rabbit hole and my original surgeon and his assistant said, well, if it's not broke, we don't fix it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. She's like, if there's not a rupture, then like, we're not responsible for it. And I said, okay, so, so the reason it was recalled was because it could possibly cause a specific type of cancer. Mm -hmm. Like possibly they're saying that the chances are very slim she basically is saying, until you have that, like we will not remove yeah. them. And so I had to go and find somebody else in Toronto that would, and who actually is super important. If there's anybody out there listening, it's super important to find somebody who actually believes in breast implant illness mm. or else they won't take the time to like get in there and get all of the tissue that the implant has attached to, which is necessary. That is, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, something that other people should look out for when they look for a surgeon who's going to do their explant. Yeah. Having the full understanding of it. Was that hard to find? How did you find your surgeon? Uh, the, uh, I, well, first of all, it was a Google search, but like I'm, I live in a, like I live in Toronto. There are lots, <laughs> there are lots of plastic surgeons in the city. Um, I just was very, very candid on the phone with, with the, like the consult. I was like, listen, is this the type of surgery he does, which is called an on block surgery, um, which just basically removes all the scar tissue, the implant and any tissue that, um, has been affected by the scar tissue. Okay. And I said, does he specialize in this? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, then I will move forward with the consultation. Like if they said no, I wasn't even like, I wasn't even going down that path. No. Gonna go further. Mm -hmm. Is this covered at all by insurance? So in Ontario, it is not, which is frustrating, but it was necessary. So it's fine. Um, I have heard of women in the States and their private insurance companies paying for some. So I would definitely look into it. I just know that like in our free healthcare, our universal healthcare, it does not, it is not covered. So you had to pay completely out of yeah. pocket. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. It's a crazy journey, but you know what? I don't regret it for a second. I finally feel like my HPA access, my stress response is under control. You know, I finally feel happy, hungry, and horny. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Definition of success. No, that's freaking amazing. And you're going to help so many people if that's what you're called to do because you have walked this, because you know how frustrating it is. You've hit so many dead ends. Like you really have experienced it physically, emotionally, mentally, like, oh yeah, you know, you felt it on so many levels and people really do need guidance. Um, you know, whether it's with the breast implant stuff or like at least coming to realize that, um, but I, it's only through shared stories that people are even opening the possibility, like for that possibility to reach them, to reach other people. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting um, because like at one point I never would have thought that this surgical silicone would be an issue in my body. And at one point I was like most people thinking like, when you think about what stress is, I was talking with a friend of mine this morning. What do you think about stress? Cause I knew I was coming on and I just wanted to have her opinion on it. And she like immediately thinks of work stress, Mm. you know, she immediately thinks of like deadlines or meetings or presentations or, you know, even along that line, sort of like financial stress, which definitely a form of stress. But then when I started saying to her, like, what about lack of sleep? You know, what about trauma? What about childhood trauma? What about abuse? You know, what about a car accident? What about parasites, pathogens, bacteria overgrowth? you know, like on and on and on. Foods that we eat every day that are inflammatory, chemicals that we are just living and breathing around, putting on our body, putting on our, you know, living around in our home. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. And to my point of the rain barrel effect, like I really realized that I was spilling over with all of the stress or the stressors that were going on in my life. And I have eliminated most of them. Yes, it's super interesting because, I, again, I have the same experience when I ask people, what what is stress to you? It's very much a psychological thing or like a lifestyle thing, but they only really categorize it between like family stress, work stress, and then sometimes people will say just like trauma, little T trauma, big T trauma, but it's always a psychological thing. And for a long time. I only thought that stress was like a mental thing. It's just like, oh, I'm stressed. I I can't handle that much. It's There's a lot of stuff going on that I can't handle mentally. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. never understanding that this is a very much a physiological um, experience, a biological cascade of events is happening in your body. And so you can meet that, those series of events with physiological tools as well, but you need to remove the unnecessary sources of stress, right? Because obviously we live in stress, like there's going to be stress. It's a part of life, which is why we have great tools that we learn and apply to work with that. But then there's also all these unnecessary stresses that are very much unknown that we don't even realize are at, I'll use your term, adding to the rain barrel and just filling it up, get making it heavier and heavier and heavier for us. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I hear women say all the time, oh, but I've always done this. You know, it's never been an issue before. And I always think like that rain barrel, it's starting to overflow. You know, you've eaten the same way for 10 years. 
why is it affecting you now? Because you maybe should have, you know, taken a look at what you've been eating for 10 years. Uh You know, your body has finally like people don't, it's, it's interesting thinking about, um, you know, a job stress, let's say, you know, you have a job interview coming up or if it's your first day on the job on a new job, um, you know, your stomach, you're anxious. You know, I have a girlfriend who actually like feels nauseated when that kind of stress comes up. So your body is talking to you. Like it's, it's telling you something and you and I know that when stress is triggered in an acute way, so something that is just like momentarily, your body, the, the body's response, which is so incredible, um, will actually sort of like power down your digestive system, for instance, because it's not meant for survival. You're like, you don't need your digestive system to like run away, right? So we, we notice these things and then, you know, your job interview is over, you, oh, phew, I feel so much better. You know, your cortisol starts to relax, your stomach starts to relax. Okay, fine. But why are we not recognizing that in the same way, like um, stressors that cause digestive issues long term? So food sensitivities, you know, Mm -hmm. because again, you and I both know that when that cortisol response is high for a chronic amount of time for a long period of time, the blood sugar increases, and then histamine is produced and zonulin chemicals in our body that are meant to be in an acute release, become chronic. Also, we get leaky gut. And now we've got, we've got like major issues going on, gut permeability, et cetera. Uh Um, So like all of these things that you, that people say they've always done this. So why is it affecting me now is literally just your body going, hang on a second. Like it is just a message. Like you need to recognize something's going on in here, you know, dig a little deeper. Yes. And that's why this kind of message is so important for people to hear because It's frustrating when you are truly intentional and want to heal, but the only avenues that you think are available to you are talk therapy or psychiatric medication, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, um, which can be helpful, but may not be getting to the root and don't really give you... um, I don't know, the tools to look for, to look deeper into that on that physical level. So I think that, yeah, what you're doing, the work that you're now doing um, is so aligned with what I'm doing as well, which is great because a lot of people (laughs) need it for sure. I would say of the, so I still am personal training and whatnot, um, but the amount of people I have seen in my 15 years of running a gym if I think about specifically, I would say 80% of the people could benefit from digging a little deeper into their health. You know, like, oh, yeah. you know, women coming to me being like, oh, I'm so bloated. Bloated seems to be a, a big one. Like women everywhere I know always complain about being bloated. And I am like, just because it's common doesn't mean that it's normal. Like we, like we should be digging deeper here. So true. Yeah. I'd love to switch, just move into like talking about being a martyr for your business and just like hustling and just working super hard. But before we do, I just wanted to give you space. Like, is there anything else in this topic that you wanted to say? I think for your listeners, I just want to be very, very clear that whether, you know, whether they work with you or with me or like that there is help outside of our traditional medical system. 
Um, they have a place. I'm not disregarding them at all. They're, they're very specialized and they learn what they learn. But if your doctor says everything is normal, but you still don't feel good, like if your lab results come back saying everything is normal, but you still don't feel good or you feel in your gut that something is still going on, then find a functional medicine practitioner um, because they will read your labs differently. There are different lab ranges that medical doctors and functional medicine practitioners will look at. Um, and you may be able to prevent something way worse from happening. Where my labs were when I was going through all of it, I was like headed straight for autoimmune disease. Like just like there was a clear path, like mm -hmm. just walk it. Um, and I'm, I've had my blood work done again. I've had all my tests again and they are literally gone. Like those markers are gone. So if anybody is struggling with, you know, your doctor is dismissing you, there are other practitioners out there. So yeah. please keep looking. Yeah. Ditto to that. There's so much you can do to potentially reverse or like, you know, really manage well um, without it affecting your life. If you, if you can get there before it really develops um, into something that's, you know, really life altering um, yeah. and autoimmune diseases are becoming more and more common people just going back now i'm just thinking to the comment about that assistant that was like oh if it hasn't developed into cancer like we can't do anything about your breast implants and yeah cancer is definitely on the rise but all of this other stuff autoimmune diseases dysregulated nervous systems anxiety depression they're also on the rise and it's all coming from similar sources. It's all stress. It's all that. And there's a lot you can do to help yourself naturally, which is so yeah. empowering. Yeah. I remember young when I was younger um, and I was an investment banker downtown Toronto and somebody said to me, you know, like, oh, stress is a killer. And again, I related stress to job stress, financial stress, like the exterior kind of things, you know. And now I have a whole new meaning for stress is a killer because yeah, managing your day-to-day -day stress is important, like absolutely important, but you can't just quit your job. I assume most people can't just quit their jobs to get rid of that. But like the internal stress, the stressors, the stuff we do <laughs> sort of um, willingly, voluntarily, like putting all kinds of makeup on our face. And I'm not saying that that's bad necessarily, but for some people it might just tip them off. You know, it might just be the last straw. Um, but it really is stress is like the cause of all chronic disease. I know like the factor, right? The more I know, the more I'm like, I can't even believe that this is, that this is happening. I know. It's crazy. I know. But let's actually talk about, cause this is another form of stress, which is work burnout, which is the belief that you have to work yourself super hard. You have to struggle. It has to be. And when I say it has to be hard, I don't mean that hard work is bad. Like hard work feels good when it is, I don't know how to, when it is balanced, I guess. But when you are forcing yourself to struggle, when you believe that you have to, like you said, be a martyr for your business, that you have to be suffering, that you have to be struggling, that you have to be digging yourself into the ground to be successful, something, you know, that's obviously another form of stress, which comes from our belief systems about, you know, who we are and what, what we have learned. 
So I relate to this a lot because this is something that I am actually like working to unblock now. And I haven't felt burnt out from work like I did when I first was depressed and anxious about 10, 12 years ago now. I haven't felt that in a while, but I also have these beliefs that are preventing me from growing, that are preventing me from really stepping into like my own success, my own personal just growth with business and everything, and really redefining that and learning how to find, again, like an intuitive balance of what feels good, what you can allow in, what you can allow yourself to receive um, without having to suffer and struggle um, every single day for it has been a really big part of my own growth. So yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how you came to redefine that for yourself. Yeah. So, so when I first started my gym, I was 22. I was super young. I didn't realize it at the time, but I had definitely had some childhood trauma that created the biggest people pleaser in me, which I think is part of this big time. I think is part of this. Um, I was a perfectionist, you know, I would bend over backward for people. And I think I actually took pride in being a martyr for my business. You know, if somebody was like, you know, oh my gosh, you were here all day yesterday, or mm. you've been here all like it's Sunday, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, people are noticing that I am such a hard worker. Mm. And I don't know if I was, you know, like I don't know who I was pleasing. Like really, when I think about that, maybe I was pleasing myself, my own belief system. You know, I, my parents are boomers. So they were two people who worked extremely hard, kind of like dutiful workers. Like you just do, you put your head down and you just do. And I also think that entrepreneurs have bit of a like, you know, maybe we're a bit dreamer. We're like, we're dreamers. We have this idea of what success is for us. And if I don't, work every day, all day, I'm going to miss the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that there was kind of like a half and half there. And then not to mention, you know, like I wanted my gym to be successful. So every single client that walked in with any kind of complaint or that I would deem as negative, I would be like, Oh, how do I fix this? How do I fix this immediately? Like I will work overtime to make sure this one person is really happy. Um, and I did that for 12 years and like I, I managed, like I managed it. I didn't know that I was like necessarily doing that until I, until COVID, which is here's the positive spin about COVID, COVID for me, gave me an, uh, gave me the ability to go online, gave me the ability to separate myself a little bit and also gave me the ability to work with the people that I wanted to work with rather than having to work with. And I'm not saying that any of those people were bad, but I knew I struggled to draw boundaries And, um, you know, having a gym that had whatever, 200 members, I had no boundaries with 200 people daily. That is completely exhausting, like completely exhausting. So, um, how I sort of reframed that in my mind was if I am not well-rested, how can I give my best to my clients? You know, if I'm, I think getting married too helped you know, because he is obviously a priority in my life. And so if I am working 16 hours a day happily, where, where does the balance in my personal life come? So that definitely um, allowed me to create boundaries that I needed. 
Yeah. And then just, I, I guess it was just like the physical space of being online versus being in person helped me tremendously with just being like, oh, I am unavailable right now. Even if I was sitting around doing nothing, I could say I'm unavailable and be okay with that because sometimes that's necessary. Oh yeah, totally. Everything you just said. I'm like, yep, that was me. I even on holidays would be proud of myself that I was working and that everyone else was like taking off like Oh, yeah. You guys have no work ethic. Like, I'm working on a holiday. Like, I'm going to win. But meanwhile, I didn't realize actually how much that was working against me. And like you said, it was just feeding my own belief system that was not based on really much proof other than like what I thought I saw other people doing. Um, And definitely there's been influence from social media and other people, hustle culture and, you know, entrepreneur culture. For sure, there is this ego thing about working hard, hustling your ass off and, yeah, like not taking vacations and all this stuff um, that really does chip away at at your ability, at your motivation, at your passion, at your drive, and takes it away. And then you wonder why you wake up like, I hate what I do. I don't hate what I do, but I hate the way that I'm doing it. Um, I hate operating without boundaries. I hate letting in anybody into my space because I'm so afraid that no one will come in You know, that no one will come into my physical gym, that no one will hire me. So I'm just going to accept everyone um, and just let them run the show. And I'm just here to like, you know, run around (laughs) trying to service everyone and wear all the hats and do all the things and be everything for everyone. But it's all scarcity driven. It's all fear based. And you cannot go the long run from that place. And it also like fear based and scarcity based will not like if your dream is abundance, it will not bring you that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, years ago, I was seeing a therapist, like a talk therapist, and she was lovely. And she started my journey of healing. She, she couldn't take me all the way, which is fine, but she started it. And I will never, ever forget that she said to me, like, I, I felt like I was saying to her, like, sort of what you just said, but I was thinking more in terms of my personal, like people, like, I'm afraid of people like leaving. So, okay, we can relate that to business. I'm afraid of people not hiring me. I'm afraid of people like quitting the gym, whatever. And she looks at me and she goes, so what? What if they leave? And I just like looked at her with like sheer fear in my eyes. Like I can't, like I I don't know how to let them go without really feeling it personally. And she just looked at me and she goes, Michelle, when you let somebody go that isn't meant to be in your life, the people who are meant to be in your life have room to come in. And I just kind of looked at her for a second, couldn't really understand what she meant. I'm thinking very physically, like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> um, but now I think, I don't know, like six or seven years later, if I decide to not work with a client or, you know, whatever that looks like for me, I have zero fear that, you know, that, that money that is now gone, it's, it, there's somebody who is better suited for me around the corner. And I just like have full faith that that's what's going to happen. You really only learn that through experience, I think. Um, And maybe it's some people learn it at a younger age or something, but it's the trust that um, 
that will happen, the trust that when you do set a boundary, that it's teaching people, number one, how to respect you. It's teaching people to respect what you need. And it's also weeding out the people that aren't going to do that so that there is space for the people that will to, to come into your you know, environment, whether that's socially, mm-hmm. relationship-wise, business-wise. Um, but I totally get what you meant when you were like, I didn't even understand what that meant at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? Like, are they going to just come into my house? Like, what's happening here? Like, I really had no, like, real emotional intelligence at that time to understand what that meant. But yeah, no, now I like, feel like I almost thrive on that. I feel like I thrive on setting those boundaries and being like, these are my people, Uh you know, the people who stick around when you set your boundaries. And when you have self respect, like I was not having that in my business when I was 22. And over those 12 years. I was people pleasing. I was bending over backwards. I was working myself to the bone uh, to like we talked about, like to fulfill some belief that didn't even really exist, you know, and then you start setting those boundaries and you just watch kind of all that dissipate. And you're like, oh, life can be light, you know, like things can actually be enjoyable. I don't need to feel this sort of ego pride I can just truly love what I do and know that I make a difference. Like that feels so much better and so much more aligned with me. Mm. Can I ask you, when you first started to set those boundaries, it feels really fucking vulnerable. It doesn't feel light. <laughs> it feels like no, it your, nervous, your nervous system is dysregulated. You are like, this is bad. This does not feel good at all. It is so scary. What would you recommend to people for them to like start to set those boundaries? Well, I think um, even like when I first started getting better at setting boundaries, I I think I was still in the same, like not very emotionally intelligent to even understand what that meant, but you have to become a little bit more intuitive in order to be able to do it. So if somebody is crossing your boundary and, and you don't even know it, right? Until it's crossed. And now you're like, like, uh, dysregulated, you have to like almost stop it before it gets there. So somebody pushes the line a little bit. You have to be intuitive enough to see what your body is actually feeling because it screams at you. It's talking to you. Oh, big Mm -hmm. time. And you have to like, it's a practice. You have to go, okay, what is, what about this situation is triggering me? Like what is happening here that I don't particularly like and how can I communicate it in a way that is respectful, but assertive, you know, and doesn't, I'm like, it's a practice. Like I said, it doesn't happen that easily for me still. Sometimes it takes a day, you know, maybe I have to remove myself from the situation and like be out of it to really think about it. But then I may have a conversation the next day and be like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this. This is how I felt about it. And this is what I need from you going forward. Like, you know, very, very easy conversation. And I've kind of gotten to the point now where if I know I have expressed myself in a respectful way, then it's not my fault what, how the other person reacts. Like, I, like, I'm not being offensive. I'm not coming back at you in a reactive way. Um, and if you are offended, then I'm sorry you're offended, but this is where I stand. And you you do what you want with that. And, and if some people fall off, some people fall off. And you just kind of have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, kind of like surrender to the outcome, um, but obviously bring the best intention. Yeah. Like, do you even really want somebody in your life that's going to like disrespect your boundaries? I think at one time, like I, I was in a pretty abusive relationship in my twenties and when I was in it, I thought I couldn't live without him. No matter how often he pushed my boundaries, no matter how often I bent over backwards, no matter how often I was people pleasing. And it was because I just, I just didn't, I didn't respect myself. I didn't love myself enough to be like, hang on a second. If you're not going to do this, then we don't need to be together. Like I didn't have those words. And I know that that's scary when you think this is somebody who perhaps you're going to spend the rest of your life with or whatever it might look like for you. But then if I really, really were to think about that, why do I want somebody in my life that's going to treat me like that? Or that's going to judge me in that way? Or that's going to talk bad about me to somebody else? Like, I don't even, no sweat now. Like, okay, see you later. Like, that's fine. I'm good with me. You don't have to be good with me. Yeah, you could tell that it gets stronger every time you practice it. Like you said, it's a practice. So even when you do it on the smallest scale, like someone asks, whatever, I'm thinking of the most random example, like you make plans with somebody and they ask you to drive further than feels, com- you know, feels right for you to do. And you're just like, oh, whatever. And like, no big deal. I'll just, I won't say anything. I'll just do it. But inside you feel something. You feel anxious about it. You feel upset about it. You feel like not, you know, there's something inside of you that's yeah. telling you this is crossing a boundary. But when you don't act on it, you're just continuing to like misalign from yourself every single time. But in that small scenario, if you were to say what you needed, kind of come, you know, bring it to that person, it's getting a little bit stronger every time, every time, every time. And it might not be, like I said, the outcome that you ideally want from that place. But what's the, some, the, the great quote that um, Glennon Doyle says every now and then? She might have said it in her newest book, Untamed, but it's like, your, your goal is to disappoint everybody but yourself, basically. I mean, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. Like as long as you are being true to yourself, you're not disappointing yourself, then like you are on the right path. And I just like the people that respect and love you unconditionally are not going to disappear because you've said no to something. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not. They're your they people. Mm-hmm. No. They'll be like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that that was crossing boundary or whatever. I read a quote. Um, I don't know who it was. And I should give them credit. And I'm going to find it. And I'm going to send it to you. Um, but basically, they were saying, like, you can't be upset by a boundary that's crossed that you didn't set. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how many people have the feeling of being upset or underappreciated or, you know, whatever discouraged, et cetera, from a situation and then go home and bitch about it. Well, like, did you say anything? You know, did you, did you stand up for yourself? Did you say this wasn't right? Well, no. Okay. Well, I understand you're feeling sad, but like, you also have to recognize this and next time say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a life learning lesson to practice again and again. Um, And you have many opportunities, literally probably like every day to do that. Um, but I, I truly think that that is another part of like human growth and what yeah. we're meant to be doing here. Yeah. 
So I, I brought that up because speaking of like this idea of success for entrepreneurs specifically, I mean, business people, like, you know, anything in their career, I suppose could work, but I'm speaking from an entrepreneur's perspective. If you don't stay authentic and stay aligned with who you are and like, if you, like you have to get there at some point, because I don't believe that success is outside of that. And like success at like whatever you view that as, you know what I mean? Like for some people that's money, for some people that's fulfillment, for some people that's making an impact, for some people that is, you know, for me, it's like living a beautiful life in the country, you know, <laughs> like putting my bare feet on the grass is what I really, you know, eventually desire. But like you're not gonna get there if you're not fully aligned with who you are and being a martyr for my business is not who I am. So good. Yeah. So good. And now you are doing something that's super aligned with you, which is this new coaching program, which I love yes. the name of True Health. So good. Yes. Um, do you want to briefly share about that? Because it's launching soon, right? Yes, it's going to be launching. Um, I'm just finishing up the website. It. I'm hoping to launch it by August um, or at least start talking about it in August for September, because I don't know if people really want to start this journey <laughs> in the middle of their summer, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it's called True Health. I named it that because like of, literally of all the things we've just spoke about, stress is not just about the physical things in your life. You know, there's so much going on inside of our bodies. We are so, in, our systems are so interconnected, um, even when they don't seem to be. And so my coaching business is, um, all about getting to the root cause of issues, looking at the body like overall, not just looking at a symptom and being like, oh, you should take this for that. Or, oh, you should do this for that. No, we are gonna look at you from a completely overall perspective and help create an environment in your body, in your world, like your physical world, um, that will literally help your body thrive. I love it. And that's gonna be, group coaching, one-on-one, -on -one, a mix of both? What is that going to be both. like? Yeah, both. there is, there are both aspects of it. Yeah. Awesome. So the group coaching is a little bit more independent. Like obviously I'm there, you know, to help and to guide, but it definitely is a little bit more of an independent um, study or an independent doing. Um, whereas the one-on-one -on -one coaching um, definitely has a lot more hands-on meeting, a lot more accountability, that kind of thing. Very cool. That's going to be great. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes because I think by the time this, I, this episode comes out, it'll be, it'll be up. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here and just sharing everything and just being so open. I can't tell you. It's awesome. I'm really, really Thank excited you. for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It helps get this show into the ears of other people who can benefit. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe, hit follow. It will post a new podcast episode every time I release one into your podcast app and makes it easier for you to find it so you don't have to go look all over the interwebs for a new episode. Have an amazing day and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.